0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here.
1: Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Einswick Dogquip, who is our good friend Jason Furman, and we are recording him now, a new ad, because it's very exciting to announce that he has Firepour mills now. That's pretty cool. Yep. So it's another brand of mill that he has. So he still has the HF mills. You can get those from him. And he's a distributor now for Firepour, which is, a, I think they're a UK-based mill. And he's
2: got the spring poles as well, I've seen.
1: Yep. Spring poles. Spring pole
2: mounts. All that, all the good gear. So everything you can do, if you're into the GRC side of thing, which is really starting to take off around yep. the
1: world now. Yep.
2: Jason's got a lot of that gear available yep. on his website. Well, not his website.
1: He hasn't got a website. <laughs> he doesn't he? have a he website. Does Facebook. Bloody Facebook. You got to find him on Facebook. Ironswick Dog Quip on Facebook. Get yourself
2: on a bloody website, Jason. Yeah, Squarespace. Like it's
1: not that hard. Yeah. If you need anything, really, he's a distributor for Herm Springer. He can get you branded leashes, tugs, balls. If you need it in dogs, talk to Jason. Yeah, he's great contact in the field. Get your whatever you need. Einswick Dog Quip. Einswick Dog Quip. Einswick. Einswick. Welcome back to the canine paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart, and I'm joined in studio for the first time in 2019 by my co-host Glenn Cook. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Pat. Yeah. Thanks. Say it back. Happy New Year. I said it I
2: said it <laughs> first. You did too. Hey. So we've, <laughs> we've had some interesting online feedback. I put a question up, I asked everybody, because we ended 2018 on the episode we did, and I think there was a point where you said, with the C-bomb... There were some swears. There were some swears, and there was a question was asked, would this be acceptable for the audience? Mm. As curious as I was about it, I put it online, I thought, well, why don't we get people to tell us what they think? Mm -hmm. So, overwhelmingly, the debate was in favour for the C-bomb. It was. However, there were some people who put up some poignant points... Mm -hmm that said that although they don't mind swearing, that word can be a little bit edgy and a bit sharp sometimes. Yes. And to be honest, I don't mind it as a word. As a word used in society, I don't mind it myself, but I can see how it can be highly offensive to some people. Mm-hmm. However, in light of that, there was a few people who I think wrote a couple of antagonizing comments, a few. Mm-hmm who were trying to bait a little bit of push and shove out of what they were saying. Hmm. Now, for those people who did put that comment up, there's a couple of things that I think you should know. Number one is when we first started this podcast, we made it clear to people that it was adult content. And occasionally there would be some swears in it. We weren't going to limit the authenticity of people who came on the show to stop them from saying what they wanted to say by telling them, no, you can't swear, this is a kindergarten and you have to be careful of everything you say. I know for some people they don't appreciate it. And if you don't and we lose you, well, that's unfortunate and we're not trying to. But in the same light of things, we're also trying to, as I said, we're trying to remain authentic. We're trying to tell a story the way we want it told without feeling that we have to handbrake every single thing we're doing and check every single thing we're doing. Mm -hmm. So in fairness as I said before, we don't want to lose our audience. We're not deliberately trying to offend people. Somebody else suggested that it was hard for them to share content with their children. My thoughts on that are, if you want to learn the material and pass it on to your children, I think that would actually be a good idea. Mm. After all, as a parent, my belief is that you should be your child's first love and your child's first hero. So, why don't you be the one that passes the information onto your children, decipher it the way that you understand it, and then bring your children up to understand the education themselves? Because this isn't a children's show. Even on Patreon, I've listed it so when people go onto to Patreon, it asks you if you're 18 years or older. Like I said, guys, this is not a free-for-all swear fest where we're just unleashing C-bombs and F-bombs at people randomly, but if we do, that's how it is. We'll monitor it as best we can. We'll keep it under control. But, fuck it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't have very much to add to that. I'll just say what I want when I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's, probably don't need any more input than that.
2: I don't think so. I don't think there needs to be any more monologue than that. I am I was thinking about it over the last couple of days. And as I said, I read some of those comments and I thought, I've got to be honest, a few of them pissed me off. Yeah. Some of them did. I'm going to cut straight to the chase. And there were some people that was just saying, yeah, just do it, just do it, you know, go for it. This is not something that we're just running diatribe out of our mouths, left, right and center. It's not something that we're trying to do to annoy people or antagonize people or to turn people off or have people hear it in company and say, oh, those guys have just turned this educational side into something that's pornographic and just nonsense.
1: Mm. I think that we just swear in context and there's no biggie. I agree. I think that. Yeah, well, I just think we just carry on exactly as we have been. <laughs> I don't yeah. think we need to worry about it too much. I agree. How likely do you think I am to be told what to do by people? <laughs>
2: that wasn't the premise of us starting the podcast. No, that's right. The anyway. premise of us starting the
1: podcast was not to be... Well, we're just talking, and this is how we talk, and this is we're just going to carry on exactly as we always do. So mm. it won't be changing. Nothing will be changing. we will be carrying on the way it is. I understand that one thing that I did agree with. with, I read a lot of the comments, not all of them, but... It was people saying it makes it harder to refer the show to clients because they may not, you know, like it's less professional, but the show is just us talking about stuff and this is how we talk and we don't censor ourselves because it's meant to be as authentic as possible. And, you know, I think that we told the story about C-bombs and how they're used in Australia and whatever, but it, I mean, mm. like I'm, we're not saying it in a way to intentionally offend anyone. And if we, you know, I think we just carry on exactly as we've been doing. The example was made, somebody made a point saying, you know, like other content
2: that I've heard, other edited and produced content doesn't have swearing and curse words in it. Mm. Others that I've heard do. I mean, I've heard plenty of podcasts where people are swearing and it doesn't bother me. As I said, I know that for some people, some people are religious, some people just don't like it, some people are brought up with high standards and values that they don't Mm. appreciate that type of thing. That's fair enough. Live and let live. I understand your side of it and hopefully you understand our side of it as well. What I will say is that if I've run seminars before, such as the NDTF, I don't swear during the NDTF. Really? Not in F-bombs or C-bombs. I never never drop them. If I ever have, it's been completely by accident Mm -hmm. and I would deliberately try and avoid doing it. Sure. If I was doing online content for somebody, such as a video series or something like that, I would probably not swear in the video because Mm. then I'd know that it would be marketable things that would be something that people would want to share if they purchased it and wanted to share it amongst people. I probably wouldn't swear in that as well. Mm -hmm. And if I did, I'd tell them at the start that there was online adult content as we do in the podcast, Mm. which I'm painfully making obvious again Mm. that all episodes in the canine paradigm are listed under adult content on iTunes Mm -hmm. for the reason that we have elected that
1: we may, from time to time, swear. And so, so may our guess which some of them have. So, in a nutshell, it's much ado about nothing because nothing will be changing. Correct. <laughs> I did ask the question, and as I Pat and I talked about this a, a little bit
2: the other day, and I said, I opened the can of words, I asked the question, mm-hmm. and that's on me, and I value your input. It was because of some of the input that people had that even though as I said, the poll was stacked heavily for people saying, yeah, we don't care, go for it. Uh, I think it was like 10 to 1 on the ratio or something like that. Could be wrong, but that was it was heavily 4. Mm. We still took everybody's thoughts and opinions into consideration prior to just going hell for leather and saying, yeah, look, just let's ignore everything everybody else said mm. and let's do it. I think we, we were fair in judgment and saying that if it does get dropped, we're just going to edit it out somehow. Mm. And that will probably be by a beep or a duck quack or something
1: comedic just to say that. It's there. Oh. You, you know what I was just thinking about? So I do have online content and I have a puppy raising series, which we've talked about, MSCandles.com. Yep. And I'm doing a lot of uh, NepoPo video stuff that I'm putting out just through Facebook and I've got like a catalog of it all. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. But in the puppy raising one, there's no swearing or anything, It's but it's scripted. Yep. So we wrote every word, every single word I agonized over for months. So there's not a word said in that video series by me or Sam. That so you're not ad-libbing, you're dialoguing that's everything. That's right. Yeah, 100%. Mm. It's 100% like there's why say in something in 50 words if it can be said in five. Like every single thing that we say in that, there's no fluff. It is just pointed, Straight to the points, point. point. bang, bang, bang. Mm. And it's scripted, 100% scripted. I'm reading off of a teleprompter when I'm talking into it. Mm. Um But then in the other stuff I have, there is swearing, but it's, it's for like punctuation and stuff like that, you know, like it's to get a point across and it's the way that I talk normally. Yeah. And of course, when I'm talking to people who I don't know, you wouldn't swear or something like that. And I guess we don't know the people that are listening, all of them, but there, this is our delivery method. This is how we talk. Mm. And realistically, this is a conversation between me and you that other people are. Joining in on. Allowed to listen to. That's right. And I think we're lucky as a podcast. We do get a lot of um, feedback because it's funny. Like I was listening to, I actually messaged Jay the other day because I was listening to his podcast and I was like a crazy person in Kmart doing Christmas shopping because I was talking back. <laughs> I was like, no, no this. And I'm like yelling at him. So it's uh, and I think that feel like that's, when that happens on a podcast, it's kind of like you get – that's how you get that community feel about it, like where you want to dive in. Like you're like, hey, no, I, I have a, something to say about that. And then you can only get online and, and say that in the, the groups or whatever. Mm. But, yeah, anyway, the, the, the long and the short of it is, I think, yeah, I acknowledge that it, it's a bit less professional, but that's the delivery style that we have and nothing's going to be changing.
2: Correct. One thing I do want to add to that is if you're listening to the show deliberately to be offended,
1: go away. No, like, don't, like, you can listen and get offended. Fuck you. Yeah, but, you, can, you can keep living in your little spiral yeah, of but, hate and upset. And you can keep kicking your dashboard every time I, we say something. You can keep living in your spiral of hate. Fuck really, you. Really? Do, do you really want those people just to hang around? No, and, I don't want them to do anything. I don't care what they do. They yeah, can do I whatever they want.
2: Yeah, I don't need to see <laughs> them online. I don't even need to know about them. You know, I'd really just like seriously go away. Go somewhere else where you're happy being bitter and twisted or Wrapped in your own cotton wool palace. Just, you know, li- leave, leave other people alone. There's plenty of other places to be other than annoying me or Pat.
1: Oh, dear. No, <laughs> I think they can listen and be, be offended.
2: About- pl- look, I'm, I'm really pleased with the, with the people that we do have following the show, like the mm. people who genuinely want to be here. Well, if we and, still
1: have anyone listening, how long have we been talking about this? How, uh, about 10 minutes. So let's, Longer. Let's talk about some dog stuff. Yeah. yeah we'll how long about- can we just talk about us talking? This is literally oh. what we're doing. We're talking about Forever. us talking. <laughs> so, Leading into the
2: conversation that we wanted to get into, we were going to talk about resolutions in training because mm. a lot of people, the new year ticks over. The first thing we say is, all right, it's a new year. I'm going to start off the year. Yeah, new I've got, got all with, these plans. I've got all these plans. I've got resolutions. I've got to kick out. Do you make a new resolution outside dog training? Mm, not really. Never. I have in the past, but because I habitually break them, Mm. I try not to think of them as it's got to be a New Year's resolution. I basically just think, well, why don't I just make it a better life resolution, Mm -hmm. you know? But, I mean, I go through that quite frequently anyway because I'm always changing my mind about what I want to do. Mm. And it happens regularly. Mm. So, then, for argument's sake, is getting fit. Mm -hmm. At the start of the year, I'll think to myself, I really should do something. And- because we're in Australia and it's great weather, it's weather that you're thinking, well, yeah, really, I should be out walking and I should be taking better care of myself. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be thinking about that as a New Year's resolution. You should be thinking about that as an ongoing lifestyle solution, yeah. not a resolution.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you ask my wife, she'll be saying, well, why would you wait to the start of the yeah, year? Yeah, that's the thing with all the resolutions. It Although, is. Although, like last year, it was it was January last year that I did the... Um the carnivore thing—that was my resolution—to yeah. eat nothing but meat for a month, and I did it. You did it, yeah. yeah. And the year before, my resolution was to drink less cider, but more whiskey, and I—I right. I did that pretty well as well. So I think it's about you know being achievable.
2: Are you still drinking less cider? Um, are you back on the ciders?
1: Yeah, I don't really. Well, I don't really drink much too much these days at all, really. Mm. But it wasn't a resolution. I just sort of don't.
2: But yeah, I'm not a day-to-day drinker anyway, so it's not really a an mm-hmm. issue for me. Like I can go days and weeks without having a drink of alcohol. I only do it as a social function yeah. thing. So yeah. yeah, it's not like I'm a mad drinker that I just have to go out and have a beer or a wine or something like that. It's mm-hmm. only the, uh, on the, the occasional time out for dinner or with social friends. Mm-hmm. Other than that, happy drink water. It's <laughs> the lifestyle I lead. It's mad. Resolutions and dog training. Resolutions in dog training. Yeah. This is one of the It's the same thing about resolutions in your own health and well-being is Mm. people do the same thing with their dogs. They go, oh, I really must exercise the dog more. I really must train the dog more. My point, I guess, is that you should do that anyway. Yeah. You know, the whole point in owning a dog is that if you got it, you should be out there doing something with it. You Mm -hmm. should be – the whole year we've pretty much talked about methods of communication and ways to deliver that communication – one of the things I have to say for many people who do listen to this show, I'm, I'm so damn proud of many of you that made a concerned effort throughout the year because, I mean, I'm seeing people getting out there, making their box, getting out there with their box training videos, mm. doing their triangle work. I mean, there were scores of people I know that bought the box off you. There were scores of people who went out and bought the new treat and train systems, and they're showing us the evidence in their yeah. work. You know They're doing what they actually set out to do. Mm. But I mean, rather than make that a resolution, make that an ongoing training solution for your dog. Make that a lifestyle thing for you and your dog to basically say, this is a better thing for me overall. I'm going to enhance the relationship. I'm going to have so much more time with the dog. And rather than being annoyed by the dog's behavior, which is the excuse that people always say is, my dog annoys me. My dog does all these terrible things. Mm. Well, you can be the champion of that by doing something active with your dog. Having a more, rather than having that sedentary lifestyle, you can have that lifestyle where you can say... Now I've got an active lifestyle with my dog and I actually enjoy it. I'm getting fit. I'm getting healthy. So even if your new year's resolution for yourself is to get fit and healthy, well, use training as an active point to basically say walking the dog and being outside and getting out in the great outdoors and doing more Mm -hmm. is going to actually improve that. And if I set goals that I can't let the dog down, some people don't see letting themselves down as a bad thing, but maybe set the goal for if I let the dog down, well, that's a lifestyle that the dog is not going to enjoy based on
1: my inactivity.
2: Mm. Um, I don't know,
1: just a suggestion. Well, I think that the problem with all those kind of resolutions is that there's no time like the present. So why, exactly as you say, why wait until New Year's Day to start training, which is past anyway, it's New Year's Day today that we're recording this. Mm. I think that what people need to do when they want to go with their dog is, with their, with their training and their dog, is work towards a goal rather than say say my dog's reactive I'm going to I'm just going to go work on his reactivity like that's bullshit. Yeah, that's if, that you, takes time. Well, you've got to go I want my dog to be able to walk down the street and not react to these triggers that he encounters, right? And then it's measurable. Hmm. The thing with uh, what I see in most people's training is they're like I'm working on this, right? I'm working on the reactivity. I'm working on his sits, I'm working on whatever. And that's not, that's bullshit. Like yep. that doesn't, that's not actually a thing. You need to say, I want my dog to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And then you know where you stand in that. You can make a plan to get towards that rather than just haphazardly, oh, I'm, I'm I'm training my dog. Yep. Like you've got to go, okay, like I'll know I'm done when this happens. When I can walk to wherever we go and the leash doesn't go tight once then okay i know i have a loose leash walk now I, I i move on to something else i go into a maintenance program with that rather than training it you know if it's a reactivity issue, the dog that barks at him every time and it's a fight every time we walk down mm. the street my goal is to walk past that dog and not have an issue and then you get to there and you go into maintenance like it's i think that it's too wishy-washy when people don't have a goal in training their dog. And this is outside of the new year's resolution thing. I see this all the time. I do like loads of consults with people, with dog trainer people who will tell me, you know, I've got issues with this, 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 and then, you know, nothing happens. Like, and you see this at, at seminars as well. Like people turn up with these dog related, you know, whatever their issue is that they turn up with. And then the next person comes out the next year and the issue is still there they've got a working spot again mm. and it's because they don't know when they're finished. Oh, it's your pet hate isn't it, it kills me <laughs> that's why i don't allow people this is you know something i've i've done when i organize seminars and now that i'm starting to give more seminars mm. i have it written in the contract it upsets some people i forgo the extra money that could come of working spots because i want to be able to choose the dogs that i work and how long i work them so yep. i will not allow anyone at seminars I organize or give to pay extra for a working spot. There's no, no one pays extra. Mm. Everybody pays the same amount. We organize the dogs to be there that will maximize the training for the, whatever the presenter or myself wants to deliver. And that way we can maximize what we get across. But also from my point of view is Especially in the type of training I'm doing, I don't want someone, I don't want to feel pressured to do something to a dog that I don't want to do. So I don't want anybody to bring their dog out and go like, that's flat and say, I want him to be fast. And have to be Johnny on the spot and try and make that
2: happen in five minutes. That's right. And so,
1: well, what I see, the problem is this, right? So say someone brings out a flat dog and they want faster activity from the dog, um, because of the pressure that I use and the way I use it, I can do that. I know how to do that on the spot, but that's not what I want to do for their dog. They're not ready to be squeezed like that Yeah, yet. So, so I can – and I like this is one of the – I think the big problem that I find with some seminars I've seen is I know a lot of tricks with dogs. I can make a dog look like something completely separate from what he is at that moment, but that doesn't help you and it doesn't help the dog. Mm. I know how to make myself and the dog look good and make you feel good in that moment, but that's not helpful for anybody. So at the seminars, I, I say, if someone comes out, and they've got a flat dog, we're now going to talk about how to make your dog less flat, yep. uh, but we're not going to put pressure on your dog in order to do that. Cause that's not how I want to do it. And depending on the circumstance, but generally speaking, and then I can talk it through it, but the, the session, the reason your dog probably is flat is because your sessions are gone too long and the, you know, the. Dog hasn't found enough success in small behaviors. So, the actual session of training your dog and showing everybody this is going to go for a minute. Mm. And if you've paid an extra $100 to attend that seminar, and then someone else brings out a dog, the next person brings out a dog, and the dog's full of hope and desire and is flashy, and we're just sharpening things up, and we do an hour long session because the dog is ready for it. I see people then get pissed off because they're like, well, I paid the same as that person and got one minute and they got one hour. Mm. And it's about the dog being ready for it. And I therefore. In the interest of fairness, I don't want, and I don't want anybody else to feel pressured into training a dog in any other way than is the correct way. Mm. I don't want them to go too long and I don't want them to put too much pressure on the dog or, or just to appease an owner that's caused that problem in the dog anyway. Well, that's the no more, one more time, right? Exactly. Mm. It's exactly it. So, But as a, that's a sidetrack. But I think what people need to do with their, their training is have a goal so you know when you're done. Right, like, and, and it's the same that's with us when we spoke about at the end of last year, when people ask what are our goals for training our dogs next year, Is a PSA level two because now we have a goal. We know exactly what's involved in the exercises for that. We know exactly what we're training for. And so it's when I get my dog out, I have a plan. I know that I have to do retrieves. I know I have to do jumps and tunnels and decoy neutrality and, and a call off and all these things. I have a plan. It's not like, oh, it might be nice to do this because you just never know when that's finished. And I know what people say, and I agree, like no dogs ever finish, you never finish training, but it's got to have a plan and a, a benchmark to know, okay, I've achieved that move on to the next thing. Uh, otherwise you're just chasing your tail the whole time. I feel like that's so important in everything you do, especially when you're using pressure. And I just mean like motivating yourself, you have to have an end goal. You have to you know, to take it away from dogs and talk about people's typical New Year's resolution, I want to get fit. Well, define that, mm. right? Like, I've been fit my whole life and fat. They're different things, right? Yeah, well, look at
2: big country on MMA. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the right. guy was enormously fat. Yeah. You know, he looked like a big fat hillbilly yeah. and yet
1: that guy could knock your
2: head off your shoulders. Yeah, so, you so know?
1: fitness is... Uh, it- Objective terms. So yeah, then that's you right. got to go, okay, like my goal is to get to 15% body fat, mm. right? And then that's a measurable thing. And you know when you get there rather than, and, and what you can tell is you can measure body fat and you can say, I'm closer than I was yesterday, or I made a mistake and I'm further away from my goal. Mm. So it's got to be the same in dog training. It's got to be a measurable goal. I want to achieve this. And this is why sports play such a large role in this. And to plug GRC yet again, it's the sport that everybody can play. You don't need a special dog. You don't need special anything, but it gives you a measure. Like there's a test, like there's, you get through that SR test and now you can do these games and you can improve on the games. You can score higher next time. You can train for a, an objective, result a a thing that you can say yes i achieved it rather than like oh i'm still working towards it we've got a plan over the next whole dog's life to get there like no there's a trial coming up. we're pushing towards that if that's reasonable in your training program you know not saying to push your dogs into unreasonable states so yeah that's my rant (laughs) i guess one
2: suggestion i have on the back of what you were just saying was when i'm thinking about it is people should keep a journal Yeah,
1: like a training log.
2: Like a training log, yeah. Yeah. It's something that I've always encouraged people to do when they're doing the NDTF course because they're coming to me and saying, I'm doing this X, Y, Z behaviour over a period of time. I said, just keep a log of it. Like Mm. journal everything that you're doing. That way you can look back over the last couple of days and saying, am I actually getting anywhere? Am I treading water or am I I heading towards shore? Yeah. And that's the question you really need to be constantly asking yourself, "Am, am I treading water or am I getting close to the shore? Yeah and the point is is that you if you're treading water you're not making progress you know you're keeping your head above water okay but you just all you're doing is just staying afloat yeah so what your goal should be is getting to the direction that you want to go in and you you're absolutely right you should have an A to B goal Yeah. say and say to yourself okay when i get to B what's my plan then yeah. a- have i completed my journey or have i got a C D E and F that i've got to complete along the way so am i shaping behaviours in order to create a chain of things that I need to do or what? what is it? But until you actually have that journal, you're never really going to be able to look back and say, I've made significant progress. Mm. Because sometimes people will say to me, well, I can't see any progress. And I'll say to them, well, tell me where you started. If they can give me an origin point and say, well, I've started here, I can look at it and say, yeah, well, you've actually made some good progress, Mm but probably because it's so incremental you can't see it. But I can see it because I knew where the dog was at the primary point when you began your journey to now where you're actually making good progress with
1: the dog. Yeah, I've never called a journal, but a training log for sure. And something I've used quite effectively on clients is we say, you know, a lot of the times after, especially if there's been a long break between us yeah, training together, I might say to them, "All right, for the you just do a training session with the dog in fr- like in front of me." Don't talk to me. Pretend I'm not there. I want to see what you do normally. Mm. Or I might ask them to send me a video. is a similar way I would do this. of Just a training session. I just want to see the whole thing start to finish. And then I just don't say anything. I let them do it. Then when they come to me, I go, okay, now imagine you kept the training log. Because you should. I do. What would you have written in there? Like confront what you just did. Confront Mm -hmm. what you just did, right? Are you happy to write that down and say, I chose... To just fuck around and do this, or would you rather, at the end of every session, go? I set up this scenario. We did three reps of that. Did it particularly well, so I went on to this. That didn't go so well, so I focused on that. And this is how it went. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of people, when they get their dog out, like I say they're just stuffing around. Mm. You know, it, and this is again to plug sports in general. This is where, when we are training as a group, when I've got my decoys in the in in the room before I even get my dog, I have to have a plan because they want to know what the fuck's going on. Like it's, I can't just like a lot of people would do is just get out their dog and mince around for a little while and then say it's done. That can't happen when you've got other, you need other people to help train the dog, right? Where other people are playing a role in it. Yep. And as I think we could probably talk about extensively is that when you're doing bite work or bite sports, the decoy is the one that's actually training the dog a lot of the time. So, there's, of course, there's a period where you both are, but mm-hmm. largely the decoy is doing a lot of the important work. And so- In the bite development,
2: absolutely. Yeah. But then again, they're also shaping behaviors as well because, yeah. I mean, the dog's not going to be rewarded until it starts performing.
1: That's right. But so you like you then have to say to your decoys, like at the moment I'm training, trying to use two in every session, I have to say to them, this is what I need you to do. This is what we're working on. This is my criteria for the session. This is what I need you to do. And never once has my session gone exactly how I explained it to the decoys, right? So I bring the dog in, the first one or two reps does. And then on the fly, I say, okay, we found this hole, let's plug it, right? Or that went better. You know, I tended to do three reps of this. The first one was perfect. I'm not doing that again. And I change it again. So you've got to have a plan, that you is briefable. Like if you, if you can't articulate your plan, you don't have a plan. Mm. That's not, you've got a wishy washy idea. You've got a, like a concept of operations, right? Mm -hmm. But if you, that's not, you can't brief that, like you can't. Like your conops is like this is basically what's going to happen. you what? You I'm using army terms. I know, right? <laughs> your conops plan is like the the very broader strokes you can come up with, right? Mm-hmm. Even that is, I'm being too generous saying that some people even have that concept, right? People just like playing with their dog a little bit. With no clear outcome, but you you can't get away with that. You got to mm-hmm. say to, if you can't brief it and tell you what people, what you intend to do, you don't have a plan. If you can't explain what you're going to do. So then you, we're forced to do that. We It's not that we're these in the sports are a better dog trainers. It's, it's just that by virtue of the way that we train, you have to do that. You have to say to the people who are helping you because you just, we're not having, we don't have a hive brain. We've got to explain what I need them to do. So I want you to put this much pressure on the dog. If this goes to this plan, I'm going to let him bite you at this point in that bite. I want heaps of pressure or I want no pressure, or I want to drive away from me, or I want to drive towards me, whatever I'm working on. Mm. And then I might even mid drive, say, stop, like do this, you know, fall over for me, do whatever. Like if I just see whatever's going on, I might rebrief it on the spot. And because we're training in using other people, we have to be able to brief it. And then afterwards, I can definitely debrief the session. I can put my dog away and go, we did this, 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 and I'm happy to write that shit down. Mm. And so long as you keep that in mind, every training session is going to go, even if the session doesn't go well, it's still good that it happened because you can, you can then reflect on why it didn't go well and you get to fix that for next time mm. rather than it just be... Oh, well, I don't know why he didn't do it. Like he, I I had intended for him to sit and he didn't. So I don't know why this is where we're at. We go, okay, like we intended under this level of distraction to sit. We, we know in the past he could sit under X level today. We tried it at Y, well, he couldn't. So let's win by going back to X, X and a half Right, and have a success, and then we can still call that session a success. Even though it went poorly, we can say, okay, like we didn't go backwards in that session. The only way to do that is to remember what you did last time, have a plan on that, reflect on that, go forward, then reflect on that afterwards, and then the next session go forward. That's what having a plan and a training plan is all about. When you just get the dog out and go, I'm going to see what happens, You, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're just going to stay where you are or go backwards. Mm.
2: What I used to do quite a lot, and I still do, occasionally on when people tell me they're serious and they want to do things, is add accountability to it. Yeah. So we have the training plan and then we add accountability. So then it's on them. Like, for example, one of my clients, his opening statement was to me, I'm really serious about this. I want to see massive improvement in my dog. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, you know, I want to work on my fitness as well. And I said, cool. I said, all right, so if I come around here for the next lesson and I can see that you've made little progress with the dog throughout the week, you've got to do 50 push-ups in front of me. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me and he goes, are you for real? And I said, I'm absolutely for real. And I said, otherwise, I'm not coming around to train you on your dog anymore. (laughs) And he said, Oh. Okay. And I said, well, you want accountability. Like you want you want something to motivate you to do that. Well, let's let's put it on the line. 50 push-ups mm-hmm. on your knuckles if you don't make some serious progress with your dog. Mm-hmm. And he said, all right. There's probably only two times that I went around there and he had to do the 50 push-ups. But he was actually enjoying doing the, the push-ups, which I had to change the <laughs> accountability because he was starting to get into his own fitness. So yeah. I think what people really need to do is having the plan is definitely one thing and we've journaled it or whatever you want to do. Usually what I say to people is rate it, rate your day out of 10, but be real about it. Like mm. don't go in there and just say, oh, look, I, I, I'm going to be generous and give myself seven stars today. I said really objectively look at that and say if you were the coach and somebody else was the client observing that work, what would you really give them? And even ask another family member, somebody who would look at it objectively and ask them to compare what they would rate it as. Mm. Be fair about the system because if you want to succeed in it, you have to. You can't be generous to yourself and say, well, I'm going to give myself seven stars. Like I've had people give themselves like eight or nine stars because they thought that they did a good job and they needed a little bit of self-encouragement. Mm. Well, that's nice to have all the fluff and everything. <laughs> but I mean, when you look at, Potential versus reality. I'm not interested in the potential. What I'm looking at is what was the reality of the day. Yeah. Like I know what you possibly can do, but what are you really doing during that time? Yeah. Are you really getting out there? Are you really doing anything justifiable? Are you really doing the best you could? And some people say, "Well, I don't. I don't know if I'm doing the best I can because my my knowledge is limited." And I said, "That's fair enough. That's what I'm here for. That's that's my role as your coach." to say, well, my knowledge is is excessive in, in comparison to yours. So, my accountability to you is to push you and motivate you to be better and communicate better. But still, you can only do that incrementally. Mm. That can still only be delivered in incremental fashions to the dog. Mm. But if it's not done on a regular daily basis, the dog's not going to
1: understand what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Especially if you're working towards a behavior. And so, like, imagine you're shaping. Mm. And you have the intent. Let's use the the example I always use. If you have the intent of shaping the dog towards a marker board, right? Just as a thing, that might take you three or four sessions, but or more. Yeah, but if you're if you bring the dog out and do like a shaping session towards it, and then you set up the the basically the same scenario the next day, but there's no marker board there. You it's, and you just ah oh, today I'll just wait until he sits and I'll reward those sits, and then to, tomorrow you do a different thing. You're never going to make decent progress. You're just progress to fluffing failure. around. Yeah, you're just fluffing around. Yeah. So have a plan and work towards that plan. Achieve a goal. Move mm. on to the next goal.
2: I actually saw some advice you gave somebody the other day who was asking questions about some failure that they're having in their own training, mm. and I, I think your very limited answer was you're doing too much. Do mm. less. And there's there's quite a lot of online videos I I do see of people people that I know and people that you know who have posted online content before, and they're just doing – I mean, they're doing the opposite of not enough. They're doing yeah. way too much. They're ignoring that no more, one more time philosophy. Yeah, They're excited about the potential, and they think, well, I've got an hour to kill. I might just smash out fucking obedience in that whole hour. Mm. That whole hour of doing that one skill is going to kill your dog's enthusiasm in it. Mm. I mean, it's killing – it's choking the desire to want – some dogs will happily do it. They will happily do it. Some people will happily do it. Some people were happy to run a marathon. Some people couldn't run from here to the letterbox. Okay. And dogs are not dissimilar to that. So if you're not reading the potential on what your dog's doing, if you're going out there and just smashing out too much work and you're not seeing where the dog is saying, hey, I got it. I got it 10 minutes ago. Mm. Then what you're doing is frivolous.
1: Yeah. You know, this is something I have understood for many years. It, right from when I started in dogs, I really understood this, but it's taken me until maybe a year ago to be able to do it is, um, that less is more like really, truly yeah. setting a timer and stopping. Or when you get that best rep, if even if it's before the timer goes off, mm. it's stopping and just going like, Hey, we're done. Like the training is done. That doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's the, what, what I used to feel like was like, that's the only way I can interact with my dogs is training. Yep. I was missing the fuck around time. And so. How dare you swear, sir? (laughs) (laughs) It's a public show. I was missing the muck around time. Thank you. uh, With my dog. And I'm better at that now. Like Mm. I really can just train. Me and my dog, you know, if we allocate an hour in the morning to like, with the both of them, we're going to go out. Each of them can really actually just get a perfect, couple of minute session and I know better now how to keep them highly motivated and just play with them and, and not make the play disingenuous. Like I, I was always, I mean, I've always done this, right. I've mm. set the timer for years. I've been doing this, but I was disingenuous in my play. I was always, when I was taking the dogs out, I would be secretly training them and yep. they're smart enough to know like, Hey, Hey, this is transactional, right? That's right. Like this is not us just mucking around. This is not you chasing me. This is not me getting to chase birds with no repercussions, you know, like whatever it is, like it's, they figure it out. And I was, I was kidding myself that I was like, oh no, I'm secretly training you, right? Like that's, <laughs> it, it, there was no secret about it. And it's taken me, it was about a year ago. Actually, no, I know exactly when it was, it was when it was almost exactly a year ago when Remy broke his teeth mm. because I was training with food and could only like I couldn't play tug with him and could only train for five, you can't make a food session with not with him in the way I deliver foods go for more than three or four reps. It just doesn't work <laughs> that way. But and because so you was, weren't getting what you wanted previously, you were transferring it into something else. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then I'd go, okay, well I know I can get an hour of motivation from you if I pull out the ball. I know yeah. I've got, uh, you will, he will chase that ball until he is dead. Yeah. So I'm like, aha, uh-huh, I will half kill you with this ball. And then until I get what I want and you never, you know, something I've been saying a lot recently. I've got a video I need to put out about it, but the problem when you're working towards a peak in anything, the only way to know when you are at the peak is when you look back at it. Right. So we're always trying to work towards the peak. And like I say, the only way that you know, you've gotten the best is when the next rep is worse and you go, fuck, I've gone past the best. Yep, And, Everybody wants to get to the peak and the best trainers can. That's why they're the best trainers. I talk about Sam being able to do this. I talk about Bart being able to do this, being able to push the dog to the absolute limit. Yeah, it's called surfing the burst. Yeah, and knowing exactly when they're at the limit of how much enthusiasm they will give, how much pressure they can take, or all the things when they're at the limit. That's what the like the trainers with the je ne sais quoi, That's mm-hmm. they're the ones you, that have that. You even did right? your little magic hands I then. When you... my, my, if I if my keep forgetting for radio shows. <laughs> But what most people do, and formally, including myself, was you get to the point where it goes perfectly and you're like, that's amazing. Let me set up my camera and do that again. It's like, no. No, one more time, bro. No, don't do that. No, more, one more
2: time. Yeah. A very good old saying that was told to me many, many years ago was, more is not better, it's just more. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that I constantly think about. You know, the point can be transferred across to our own training. Like if you're doing bench press, and you know that you've got maybe two left in you and you try and do a third one, you end up dropping the barbell on your chest. Mm. Well, that's because you push past that point where you just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And we're encouraged to, to work out to to far point. But it's the same thing with a dog is that if you know that your dog has reached its max capacity, you want to leave it at that. You know, mm.
1: like you want your dog walking away. Like, I. I well, that's the thing. People. See, See, this is. People this can't is, read it. That's right. They and and do, they find it difficult they to read it. They don't that know their dog to reach their max and that, capacity. Yeah, that's fair. And because this is the thing, and it, it, it doesn't link up as well because if you are benching, you may know when you've reached your max capacity because you can feel it. Oh, I feel it. I'm exhausted. That's all I've got. And then even if you go one more, so long as you don't drop the bar on yourself or end up like those those guys on YouTube. By the way, because this show and Google like gym fails, especially look at the amount of people who are bench pressing alone. I don't know why they're filming this, right? Bench pressing alone and struggling in Struggling trying to
2: get a dumbbell off them. Well, like. and get
1: stuck under the bar and have to call their mum. There's one, there's this kid <laughs> is so funny. Mum, she has to run it. She can't lift it. She has to take the weights off one at a time. It's hilarious. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, but there is, there is benefit in that by going past failure because you, there's benefits in that, but there is no benefiting with the dog and the problem is people would stop i in the past would have stopped if i knew that was as good if i if i really truly understood that's as good as it's going to get i would have stopped mm. I, if i had understood that i was at the peak i would have stopped i know that the peak is where to stop but like i say the only way to know that you've gone past the peak is when you look back at the peak and go shit i've gone too far and now yep. you're like well what am i doing right do, do i keep going trying to get it so I can – you know, there's that classic finish on a win, mm. like finish on a high, finish on the best rep. But if you've already had the best rep and you do another one, well, that's now impossible. And people keep chasing their tail trying to get that. And it's not – you know, I don't know that the science supports finish on the best rep. It, I think that the science supports more good reps than bad reps. So don't – if you've had the best one, don't keep chasing, trying to put more into the pile of good because likely every – every if you've had 5 reps and 4 of them were good and the last one was f- fantastic and you have uh, a sixth and it's bad and then you have a seventh and it's bad well now you you're chasing your tail right if you try to go for another one it's going to go either way and now you you that you keep tipping the scale the wrong way yep it's a disaster so if you have that if you go over the peak and you look back at it and go shit the last rep was better stop it, yep. it, you're better off stopping on a not so good rep than chasing your tail for 10 minutes mm. or 10 reps or whatever to get a, a rep that was comparable to, or or that you would even call good rather than comparable to the best. Yeah. In, I think in
2: scientific terms, it's, it's generally nominated as the stress threshold. Mm. And once you hit the peak of, this is what we talked about before in that term of surfing, the burst mm. is good trainers, people like Sam, Bart and various other people, they know how to hit that peak successfully. I mean, when you're hitting that peak and with prolonged use of it, the peak grows and that's the beauty of it is when you know how to do it. And even if you cut back slightly, the peak will still grow the significance of hitting the peak right at the peak is that you will get more growth in the peak. Yeah, Um, so the burst will actually, sorry, the bubble will actually expand. You'll get more stress from the, you'll be able to encourage more stress from the dog. I'm actually reading about this in Sapolsky's book, behave. Mm -hmm. You're reading it too at the moment, I think very slowly. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very technical book. It talks about the whole regions of the brain and how they all interact and communicate with each other. I'm only in that section of the book at the moment, but he confirms that you know like stress is a necessary part of life. like there's people out there who constantly bark on about the fact that stress is not good and you shouldn't have any stress in your dog. Clearly, you don't know what you're talking about, yeah, because anybody who is anybody in neurosciences know that you need to have stress. you need, exposure to stress like you do with anything. It's like going out and getting a tan. You need a little bit of exposure to the sun, not a lot of exposure. Mm. The difference between getting a burn and a a tan is the time that you spend in the sun. And it's exactly the same with the amount of stress that you're exposed to. A little stress is fine for you. Prolonged exposure to stress is not good for you. Mm. So it's like I've made this point before, is that the difference between the cure and the poison is in the dose. Mm. That's got to be remembered the whole time that you're, you're working on this. So you, when you're working with your stress threshold is, I guess, to look at it from a – if you can imagine it, it's the same as a uh, a roller coaster. Chugging up the hill takes time. Going over the curve and, and coming down the other side, I mean, that's rapid. Mm, that's you know? a good analogy. It's that's a, very good. Yeah, yeah well, that's the analogy that we always use. Slow and steady up, but then you can fuck it pretty quick as you zip down the well, other side. Well, you just side. tear down the other side. Like the – the ascent is much slower than the descent, but mm-hmm. once you hit that peak curve, and this is where i was saying, you know, some people surf that burst nicely at the top, and they know when to stop there because mm-hmm. they've they're experienced animal people, they're dog people. Mm-hmm. There was a good stage where Boyd and I were doing a training session together years and years ago. This is probably about twenty five years ago. We were in the shed and we were doing a Holden Bark exercises with his dog Hawk. Mm-hmm. And what kind of dog German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I went above the threshold and just as i screwed it i looked at boyd cuz he was looking at me he was about to say mate you went too far and i said i went we've said it together we both said we went too far mm. he said you went too far i said i went too far and rather than get pissed off about it he laughed about it he goes fuck we our minds synchronized then mm. you know and he goes that's actually good that a handler and helper can actually understand what they did or what happened wrong in the training session with Mm. the dog at the time. wasn't good. It happens.
1: It happens all the time. The good thing
2: about the dog that we were training was that he was such a recoverable dog Mm. that there was nothing permanent or no real problematic issue with it. It was just that... He lost interest in the behavior and he instead of getting him at peak intensity, it came down and he sort of took a little bit of a nosedive on it mm. and he got rewarded for a lesser behavior, something that I didn't really want to mark. Yeah. Whereas when his intensity was peaking, I should have rewarded him right at that point in time. Yeah. And, you know, like I gave him the bite at the wrong time. And like I said, he was a recoverable dog. We just took that as one of
1: those. Not so good
2: sessions. Well, it was just a – we turned it into a variable reinforcement where – that day he got a a win for something lesser than what we wanted, but every other day he had to work harder for it. Mm. So he got a he got a cheap win then. Well, it wasn't the cheap win. It wasn't the dog's fault. It was entirely mine as the as the decoy. But for me, it was a great learning experience. For me, it was the day that I really saw I'm asking too much when I really got the dog to move into me when he's when he was focusing in my eyes and not on the sleeve. And his intensity was high, his bark was nice and deep and rich. There was plenty of opportunities, like probably three, four good barks that he gave me where I could have reacted and and rewarded the dog. However, I thought, oh, I'm going to get another one, another one, another one. There's no need. Mm. At that point, the dog is at peak intensity. I could have just done what I needed to do right there and then. And for, for people who are looking for that, don't beat yourself up too hard if you muck it up. If it's just the odd one here and there, it's not a huge deal but it's something that you do want to try and avoid. You really want to try and stay on the other side of it rather than hit that peak and fall over the top of it. Because Mm. for some dogs it can be very stressful and it can be a hard tumble when the dog comes
1: over the edge. Yeah. Well, and that's training. That's managing that and staying away from it. I was just thinking, I saw a video the other day on Facebook really pissed me off as in a group that is known for really should only be viewed through the lens of satire. But these people were bragging about this dog being uh, not engaging a decoy. And it was like, yeah, that's cool, mate. Like you're you're a tough guy while you were in that protective suit. And the dog bit initially and then he put enough pressure on the dog to get off. Did you see the video? Jean no, I haven't about? seen it. But I, bit and I'm then- i sure just, I know
2: what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, he over pressured the dog and they are bragging about what a piece of shit the dog was. And I was like, yep. yeah, but that's not how it would have gone in real life. Like I, I acknowledge that the dog needs more training. There's certainly some training issues in that dog. But you're wearing a suit of armor that means when he bit you, it had no reaction to how it would have gone for real. Like you're, you're super tough. Yeah. And I acknowledge for sure that has to happen in training. Right. And, and some dogs crumble, but you don't brag about it and you, you got to recover the dog afterwards. That really pissed me off as in mm. what I'm talking about in this video, because like the dog was a blubbering mess at the end And as soon as you find a crack in the training of the dog, especially if you're testing the dog rather than training it, you shouldn't exploit the crack. You should just go. It's there. Recover the dog. Give the dog a win, and say no, thank you. This dog is. These are the issues with the dog. I don't. Either if you're testing it, I don't want this dog. Or or grow up beyond that issue. Yeah. Or if it's your dog, then you go. Okay. Well, here's a problem we have to fix. You don't keep like if you find a crack in the wall, you don't dig the crack out. You immediately address the issue you don't make it worse yeah anyway it pissed me off it was worth mentioning here but it, like when people see that if i know we have a lot of people that aren't bite work people and don't know that kind but of thing
2: relevant. but it's relevant i mean bite work stops becoming bite work when the dog is actually learning how to bite yeah and then it becomes a training program after that yeah so if you can't like if you can't get beyond that if you're not looking at bite work and saying oh it's bite work i'm not interested no 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 it's actually skillful training yeah. like some of the skill at the highest level too. Yeah.
1: Well, we, you know, like I've tested dogs for foreign police agencies and you do have to push the dogs to the point of failure because they are going to fail. The dogs were not suitable and we had to demonstrate that. Mm. So we pushed them to the point of failure, which did not take much. But then we immediately recover the dogs into prey and- the dog at the end of the session will tell you it was still a good session because he doesn't need to know that he's being tested in that session. For him, it's just like a, a thing that happened. And there's no point making it any worse because we've already got the footage. We say, yeah, this dog's not suitable. Here he is crumbling. And then here I am two seconds later bringing him back mm. to say like, hey, it's okay. Don't don't be scared. It's, it's fine. Recover, bite, feel strong. Yeah. Right? I feel like a lot of people leave that shit out and don't understand oh yeah i broke the dog well that's cool man you're wearing fucking bite suit like congratulations try that shit with no bite suit when now it's a fairer game and see how you fare yeah anyway Mm. it pisses me off yeah i i totally get that Mm. yeah
2: i think that's the unrealism in people in training is that some people make a sport of breaking dogs
1: Mm. like it's it says more about their ego than it does anything else. Yeah, that's right. And like I say, so it's fine. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I believe in especially dogs that are being trained for the street. They need to be able to. They do. They need yeah. to be able to withstand extreme pressure. Yeah, that is pressure. true. I agree with that 100. percent But they like they have to be taught to withstand extreme pressure. And when you when you go over the line in a test. If you're testing a dog and as soon as you identify there's a problem, the test should stop. You shouldn't just keep fucking the dog up. You should immediately stop, recover the dog and go, no, thank you. I don't Mm. want to buy the dog Mm. or no, thank you. Don't use this dog for the application that you had in mind. He needs either. He is not suitable or he needs more training or, you know, whatever the problem is. It's a real issue, like when people actually run a dog, like we talk about that in PSA, that you're going to run the dog off the field, but no dog should actually get run off the field because the judge or the steward or the handler, someone will call prey bite before it actually gets to that point. Like as soon as a dog shows like, oh shit, this is not going, I'm about to leg it. Everybody in the scenario then goes, no, it's okay, like you failed the test, it's over. But you're still going to get to bite and you're going to get to feel – you're going to get to win and the decoy is even going to slip his jacket to you and it, you're going to go back to your car thinking you won even though you just failed the test miserably because there's no point in actually chasing the dog. Adding insult to injury. Yeah, there's no – one like mm. – the, the, the thing is people say the words, but no one act. As a decoy, I say, like, my plan is to run your dog. Yeah. But I fucking don't want to actually do that. Like, there's no way. Like, I come at him with the intention. But if I see that there's a chink in the armor, we immediately go, you just failed. There's a chink in the armor, but here's the prey bite. We recover the dog. The yep. dog has to feel good at the end.
0: Mm. Well,
1: um, I mean, in, for example,
2: when Randy's PSA won his first attempt, the first year Sean and Janet came out, mm. when he did the car scenario, I... Elected to stop him straight after that Because mm. he wouldn't listen to me He wasn't following instruction yeah. He was too jacked up And he wouldn't out when I asked him to yeah. And I was asked if I wanted to con- continue Even though I had failed the routine yeah. I elected not to do it yeah. Simply on the basis that I didn't want to reward him further For something that he'd done wrong Yeah, yeah. So what I wanted to do was just take him away And let him calm down and think about what was going on And I think those sort of things are important yeah. That you recognise where you can Turn it into a lesson. But when the dog doesn't actually understand what's going on, there's no lesson in that. Mm. And it's the same, it doesn't matter whether it's a person, a dog, a giraffe, it doesn't matter. As it's, it's long as they understand how to link
1: the operant side into it. Mm. So if you're wondering how we managed to get to this point, I'm about to tie it all in (laughs) In that it all comes back to having a training plan. It does. Like that is a hundred percent what it's about. And then the moment you, and because unless it really is a street bite and as we were talking about, like unless it's the real deal, it's training. Even if it's testing, it's an opportunity for training. You have to then go, okay, well I have a plan. Here's where I understand that something's gone wrong or something's changed or something went well, whatever it is, something went better than expected. So we're stopping sooner or, or we're changing exercises or whatever. You have a plan and you got to adapt to that on the fly, whether it's a trial, whether it's a test for the dog, whether it's just your Monday to Friday training, whatever it is, yep. you have a plan. Like if it's a trial, you have a plan that you don't get to choose on. Like it's a training session. Yeah, the, that's like it. It's laid out for you, yep. but you, you need to be, Training with an intent in mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at, this is again, to tie it all in and to plug, well, not GRC and not PSA and not any particular sport, like nose works is probably even a great example of this. It's dog sport in general is because you then, because you are working towards a trial, you have to have a plan. You have to have an end goal. This is what I want to do with my dog. Like this is it. And like you imagine like one thing, you know, nose works for example, right? If you're just a wishy-washy trainer with no plan, that's never going to fly in nose works. You're going to contaminate everything, you, your scent's out or it's not out. Like You are never going to get anywhere in those works unless you have a good plan, set up your scenario, and run the scenario. Mm. That's a. I feel like that's a great example of a, a sport or a thing you can do with your dog where you must set up the scenario and run the scenario. Because if you don't put the odor out, well, like – Oh, There's so much planning
2: in in any type of detection work, whether it be for sport or legit. Exactly. So
1: I feel like this is the thing like pet dog training needs to be more like sport dog training. Like Mm. you you don't need to do the same things. Your dog doesn't need to be capable of the the same feats and accomplishments. But if you approach it from the, the aspect of like, I'm working towards an end goal. For us, our end goal is defined by someone else. Yep. But you need to, if you're just training pet dog, you need to go. Okay, well, like, what is my end goal? Mm. Define it, and then you know when you've reached it, or when you're you're going forwards or backwards. You can tell that kind of thing because it, it you have a goal. I feel like I always say this to people. I've got a friend who was involved in a court case. He was without going into too much detail, but he was wronged badly, 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 badly. I oh, no, um, you know. Yeah, I've heard this story, and he just kept going for more and more from these people and he wouldn't, they will never give him what he deserves. But I said to him, you need to decide a day, a thing that you can get off them and be happy because otherwise you just keep chasing something that's there. You need to know, you need to set a line in the sand and say, I feel like I have one when this happens, when X happens, right? Yeah. You need to have a line in the sand where you say, and this that's is what it. a
2: resolution is. Yeah.
1: Otherwise yeah. you're just going to never be happy. you just, like plodding along and you'll never achieve it because you haven't defined what achieving is. You have to define what your achievement is. And as I say for the sports, it's the title for us, for both of us, we're working towards a PSA level two title, which we have to fucking pass that test twice to get the title. Right. Mm. So, but no matter what, you know, take up GRC or if your dog is reactive and you just like, I want to get to the end of the street without a, a problem. I want to get to the end of the street without the leash getting tight, whatever it is. And no matter how long it takes you to get to that point, if you have a point, you know when, where you are in relation to it. If you mm. just like wishy-washy, I want to train my dog. Well, you are <laughs> going to achieve fucking nothing. Yep. I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain that
2: this saying comes from Vince Lombardo, mm-hmm. who I've talked Your about. Your close personal the, friend. He's Vince my Lombardo. close personal friend. Um, Coach of many successful baseball teams include uh, American- You not, can't
1: even get it right what, what Sporty teaches no, you he, and him are close football, personal friends. Wasn't football. he over for
2: New Year's at your house? He was, yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was hanging out last night just- Just shooting the shit? Yep. Yeah. I don't dropping, know if still alive. Just dropping
1: mad quotes.
2: <laughs> 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 well, he was he a was quote master and I'm almost sure this is one of his. Mm-hmm. So it's one that we've used- compassionately many many times Mm. I use it here at work and we talk about it a lot in detection training and that is plan the work and then work the plan Mm. sounds like something Yoda would say Mm. however it's something that we consistently used to do anytime we were setting a scenario up for uh, explosive detection we would do a a recce of the area. So we'd have a look at where we were going in. Mm. We would think about the possibilities of where explosives would be stored, how they could be used to set up a small debt and then a large one. So we would have the dogs searching different areas. We'd teach the dogs ground. We'd teach the dogs ceiling. We'd teach the dogs walls. We'd teach the dogs in dirt. We would teach the dogs anywhere we possibly could. Mm -hmm. But we'd always put it on paper first. So we'd always sit down together as a a team and say – Let's have a little think about this before we actually go in there with the dogs and do it. Let's plan it first. Mm. Let's set the odor, let's set the 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 soak time that the odor is going to be in the area for. Let's have a predetermined agreement like what's the reality if if somebody was going to set something like this, what would be the minimum time yeah. that it would be in the area before dogs would come in or public would come in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a long-winded way of saying Plan the work and then
1: work the plan. You wouldn't say anything the long-winded way. Not at
2: all. <laughs> Not at all. I've been accused of waffling <laughs> once or twice.
0: Oh, dear.
1: Hey, I reckon we've got our point across. I think so. Well and truly. Yeah. So, we're going to keep swearing, so we're <laughs> that gonna was care. the point.
2: <laughs> I think we've sworn a couple of times here already. Yeah. Yeah. Resolution, as defined in online dictionary, is a firm decision to do or not to do something. Mm. So, if you are resolute in making some changes this year,
1: then do it or don't do it. Yeah. Don't make it because it's 2019. Do it because your dog deserves it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, do it regardless. I mean, if you took that dog
2: on, you have a life responsibility to the dog to enhance its life and make it better. Mm. And by doing so, you'll make your life better.
1: Yes. Yes. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah. That's it for the first episode of 2019 of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, jump onto whatever subscription service you listen to us through. Like, rate, share, subscribe. If you do that, a lot of people give us awesome ratings on Facebook. Really, really, really appreciate that. That's awesome. But can you do it on iTunes or wherever you're...
2: Hey, you know, someone gave us a two and a three star iTunes rating, yeah. So
1: must have been Jane Chad. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're not if if you don't enjoy it, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Or no, nah, go crazy. I prefer the the colourful feedback, but do it on the download service. That helps us get into higher rated sections, and people actually see it. Hmm. And what I also found out is that the ratings are by country, right? So if like we've got a bunch of ratings in the iTunes Store, Australian iTunes Store. They're not visible to anybody outside the Australian iTunes store. So if you're in like Zimbabwe and you look us up, we would have like no ratings. Is that a fact? Yeah. Ah, Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So So
2: for our Zimbabweans, yeah.
1: Please jump onto iTunes and give us a a review. Yeah. Not a bad one. Zimbabwe is part of Africa, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. And if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is via Facebook. We are The Canine Paradigm on Facebook. That's it. Oh, and thank you to our Patreon guys. Hopefully you've just enjoyed your Slap Mill episode. So we should be starting to hear and see Slap Mill stories and videos. Yeah. We'll, we'll be have a million people asking where they get one, and we've told you. Einzwick Dog Quip. <laughs>